0: Hi, this is Eric Qualman, author of The Focus Project, and you're listening to My Quest for the Best with Bill Ringel.
1: Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars, Bill Ringel here, host of my Quest for the Best, the podcast for ambitious small business leaders. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished experts who want to share their knowledge and experiences in order to help you be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating toward more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Eric Qualman, five-time best-selling author and keynote speaker. Eric Qualman has shared his message in over 55 countries and has reached more than 50 million people. Forbes named Eric a Top 50 Social Media Power Influencer, and he was a finalist for Most Likeable Author Award alongside Seth Godin and J.K. Rowling on likable.com. His nomics work has been covered by media from 60 Minutes to the Wall Street Journal and used by organizations ranging from the National Guard to NASA. Over 500 universities around the world use his materials and he's host of the Super You podcast, which I encourage you to check out. Qualman was an academic All Big Ten in basketball at Michigan State University and has been previously honored as the alum of the year. His MBA is from the University of Texas. Most importantly, he strives every day to live up to the world's greatest dad coffee mug, he received from his wife and two daughters. Eric lives in Austin, Texas, and is here to talk about his book, The Focus Project, The Not-So-Simple Art of Doing Less Better. Welcome, Eric.
0: Thanks, Bill. It's great to be here with you and your listeners. It's great to have you. Tell me, when you were growing up, Eric, who's somebody who influenced or inspired you? Very lucky to have amazing parents, but I'm going to go a little different. Coach Tom Izzo, for those not familiar with Coach Izzo, he's actually in the Hall of Fame, even though he's still coaching at Michigan State University, coaches basketball, an amazing man. He taught me all about the grit and the grind that you need to achieve, whether it was in basketball or more importantly in life. So I can always reflect back at my times and I still stay in real close contact with Coach Izzo because he's a great guy from a standpoint of you need somebody in your life that tells you not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. He goes, I hear Eric all the time. I'm old school. And he goes, I call it right school. There's no old school, new school. He goes, there's right and wrong school. He goes, I think it's always the benefit to have that tough love. That's the only pure love. Is really that tough love.
1: What did it say to you when he was demanding that you go beyond what was comfortable in practice? I'm just imagining this and projecting this. I don't know what your practices were like, but I know what a lot of practices are in other sports. I'm guessing that he pushed you pretty hard. What was the message he was sending when he pushed you and your teammates hard?
0: I was very fortunate because I started off as a a water boy and I was cut from my basketball team in high school as a junior. I didn't make the varsity. So I got to Michigan State and I had to try out. That's right. You had to try out to be the water boy at Michigan State. State because they're the number one team in the country. Then I never lost sight of that dream and just kept at it. Eventually, was able to walk on the team and then also get a scholarship. To your specific question, the only way that a kid that's 18 to 22 is going to listen to someone is if that person has spent time developing that relationship. That also holds true for all you small business and big business operators out there. Your team might do something you say because you're the boss, but if they're not bought in, if they don't think that you care about them, then it's only going to go so far. And the same holds true, Coach Izzo, is the reason you're willing to run through a brick wall for him is that he spent the time developing that relationship so that you know, even though it's something you don't want to hear that he has the best intention for you to take you to that next level that's why if you watch him he's taking these two star three star four star for those who don't know that they're, they rank all the players by stars five star the highest coming out of high school so he'll take like a Draymond Green who's not super highly recruited then he transformed that individual now he's won two Olympic gold medals he's been on the all-star team three times has won three NBA championships with the Golden State Warriors because Draymond knows that Coach Izzo has his best interest at heart. Eric,
1: here's a quote. Beware the bareness of a busy life by Socrates. What significance does that quote hold for you?
0: It's interesting because for those that do pick up the book, The Focus Project, we put that quote on a blank page. It's all about making sure that you're focused on the big. Busy is easy. That's why we do it. It gives us a chemical dopamine hit when you take your emails from 100 down to zero. The reason we do that is because it gives us that dopamine hit. It feels like that action is actually moving us toward something, but don't mistake that activity for something that actually is changing your life and changing the world. So that quote to me is, focus on the big as much as you can.
1: Let me just share my interpretation, of the premise of the book. You set out and said, what would a year look like if you dedicated one month of your life to one particular theme? Instead of running around with your hair on fire while doing a million different things and having very little show for it, you asked the big question, what would happen if you suddenly stopped all the madness and just focused on one thing? What would you add that allowed you to create this book chronicling your reflection of what it was like to focus on one particular theme a
0: month? I want everyone to just close their eyes and do what I did, which was get super excited. I got so excited at the possibility of, gosh, what would it look like this month if I just focused on my health? Or the next month, what would it look like if I just spent 30 minutes a day focused on sales? So it became super exciting for me to think about that, to just be so hyper-focused in this unfocused world. I'd love for everyone to just close your eyes and dream, so to speak, and then realize, wait, this isn't a dream. I am in charge of my life. I'm in charge of my time. Most importantly, I'm in charge of my energy. So it's really just about understanding and writing down if this was my last day, what would I be disappointed in not getting done? What's that big thing that I didn't do? And understand that we take for granted each and every minute we just wake up, oh, you don't even thank anyone for I'm awake. It really just was alerting to me just to remind myself, let's focus on the big versus the busy. We did a lot of research, obviously, but One story that stuck out was that if you ever hear the story of Alfred Nobel, he woke up and read about his death in the newspaper. This is in Scandinavia. He woke up and read about his death in the newspaper because they mistakenly, his brother had died and they mistakenly thought that he had died. It really is a gift to basically read your own obituary while you're still alive. Alfred Nobel was this famous inventor and he invented dynamite the headline was the master of death is dead and he paused and so invented dynamite to help build roads and do all these things yes some people use it for nefarious act or use it in war but i don't want that to be my legacy that day he made a change to focus on something different if you know the name because it's the nobel prizes so most of us know the no- nobel peace prize he was able to change his le- legacy by getting that gift of reading his own obituary that was a wake-up call for me it's a wake-up call for everyone out there just to make sure that we focus on the big versus the busy to focus in this unfocused world.
1: You use a term for it, which really elevates it. You use a term, impact project. What does that term mean to you? What's your best advice for creating or designing your own impact project?
0: There's a great book out there called The One Thing by Jay Papasan and, and Gary Keller. It's funny when you research a lot of this, this stuff's been going on hundreds of years. So I wonder what still works in this modern society. One of them is to simply write down what's the one thing that if I do it well makes everything else either easier or unnecessary. It's literally writing that one thing down and making sure you attack that before the day attacks you. So, what's the one thing that makes everything else either easier or unnecessary? And just spend all your time as much as you can focused on that. And so, that's one of the easiest things. Another thing is throughout the day, just pause and just check in with yourself. Go, what am I doing right now? What should I be doing? How do I get down this rat hole? Why am I on social media for 20 minutes? Why am I watching YouTube for 10 minutes? Or why have I just answering an email mindlessly all day? It's really about checking in throughout the day and asking yourself, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Is this something I should be doing?
1: It's becoming your own manager because that's what a good manager would do is just make sure you're working on the right things. So few of us, especially when we work in a small business, don't have that kind of accountability to others where we've got to create it for ourselves. It's not easy, is it? Were you able to simply decide that this is what you needed to do, then it just
0: came easily? Absolutely not. It's the furthest thing. And even today, I always reference the book because I wrote it for myself because I could do the research. Here's what the science shows. All right, let me test it myself. Let's be the guinea pig. Here's what I tested, see if it worked for me. And I might say, hey, this didn't work for me, but it might work for you because it works for most. Or this really worked for me, but it might not work for you because it's different. But it wasn't easy. In fact, the first year was basically five false starts because the first month I wanted to focus on growth. I want to focus on something that I could measure to see if actually this does Work. For me, I speak on stage for a living. We also have an animation studio. I wanted to increase sales around that. Historically, I didn't really proactively spend a lot of time with sales that it just come in organically. It'd be pull marketing that came in. People would be aware of us. But then I realized what if I actually did sales and growth and test to see if it worked? Then, spoiler alert for those that are gonna read the book, that first month, I was really nervous because it didn't work. There's no book, there's no project, and focus doesn't work. But fortunately, just by spending that time on on sales. Again, at five false starts, literally I'd write down, all right, I'm going to spend a half hour a day on sales when I wake up. After that first month, I go, how much time did I spend? 18 minutes for the month, not half hour a day, 18 minutes. And so that was a realization. Wow, focus is really even harder than I. So five false starts. Finally, on the sixth start, I go, it's now or never. We got to make this happen. Uh, a year of false starts, January 1, let's make it happen. And fortunately, the sixth time clicked and we were able to have a record sales, not only for that month, but we had a record sales for the year within that month. That is how powerful changing your mindset is to focus on the things that produce big versus busy.
1: That's amazing. When looking back, is there any tactic or technique that would make it easier to stay true to the goal that you set or the commitment that you made other than just saying it's now or never?
0: There's a lot. So I'll unpack this probably in three different parts. So the three things that I learned, I call them the three Ps. Number one, focus is really hard. It's harder than I even thought when I went into it. But the good news is focus can be learned. It can be become a habit. The only way you have a chance for that is if it's purpose-driven. And we'll get into that in a second. So that's the first one is it's got to be purpose-driven for you to have a chance for your success at your goals. The second P is called process because sitting down with some people that we deem successful in this world is how are they more focused than others? It's not their DNA. It's not something they inherited. It's that they're better at saying no to almost everything so that they can say yes to the big things. Now, how they're able to do that is they've set up systems and processes on how they say no. So we can unpack that as well later, some of those systems and processes, but it's important to have a process and not to rely on willpower. Example, a process could be if you want to get in better shape is you actually put your shoes out the night before. You have a higher percentage chance to actually work out if you actually put out your workout clothes the night before. So that'd be a process. The third is progress, especially around New Year's. We set like impossible goals that we're setting ourselves up for failure, that it's really about not perfection. Like your morning routine, all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to journal. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to drink green tea. You've set yourself up for failure because if you look at it, it'll take you all day. Like I stopped my morning routine because it took me till five at night to get it done. And so it's really about that progress over perfection. So again, those three Ps, it's all about purpose. You have to have processes in place to help you. Don't rely on willpower it'll give yourself a break. And last but not least, it's about progress over the long term, not perfection.
1: Eric, how do you balance that last piece between developing a goal that's big enough to be inspiring versus something that's overwhelming and setting you up for failure? What are some of the ways that you check that?
0: One way to check it is to look at it and go, did I put down more than one goal? So for example, you're like, some people write, I'm going to run a marathon and I'm going to be able to bench press three. Three hundred pounds. Those are really two goals. You think they're one, you're going to get better shape. They've not been in the gym for 10 years. This is just a starting point. Exactly. It is one looking at it. And it's a series of small steps. You want to have that big, hairy goal, then break it down into smaller steps. But also the first part is, did I write down more than one goal? This is what I fall the trap. Let's say I want to win my tennis ladder. I want to win, be the best at the club at tennis. And then you write down, I also want to improve, be the best at golf. You've actually set yourself up for failure because you're trying to do too much at once. That's key. When it comes to goals, it's interesting you've got to write them down. So the first thing is, okay, you think of an idea, you're thinking of this goal. It's like, all right, I want to become vice president of my company, or I want my company to do X, Y, and Z. So you've got this thought. Now, once you make that thought and you verbalize it, it dramatically increases your percentage chance to actually get it done. I don't have the percentage in front of me, but I think it jumps you to 20% just to say, all right, I'm going to do this. Then you put a timetable when you're going to do it. That jumps it up even higher. Then you tell someone. And a lot of us don't do that because then we're afraid to fail at our goals. But by telling someone, okay, oh gosh, okay, now I'm I'm really committed to this goal. Then you actually have someone that's going to hold you accountable for that goal, these check-in meetings, if you have these check-in meetings. So now you've gone from a less than 10% chance when you just think about what you want to do to basically 95% if you do those steps where you're like I'm writing it down, I'm verbalizing it, I'm telling someone else, I'm going to have someone else hold me accountable to that goal. Now you've gone from less than 10% chance to achieve your New Year's resolution or achieve your goal to now 95% chance. The reason we don't do that is because then we've really committed. Once you've done that, you've layered on a commitment. That's why we avoid doing that because we're afraid to fail. But you got to embrace that failure. You've got to embrace, I'm going to go for this and actually put it down and verbalize it. What is implicit in that is also having people who you have good relationships with good
1: questions are the bridges to good relationships. What's a specific example of how you've used either a single question or a set of questions to build better business relationships as a professional speaker in order to reach an even larger audience?
0: I never thought I'd be at this vocation of speaking around the world, but we've now reached over 50 million people because my background was more on the technology side for 30 years. What I've learned is actually better questions. If you can focus, so during the focus project, a big, Eureka moment for me was questions are the building blocks for great relationships. Whether that's a personal relationship or whether that is a business relationship because what you're showing is you're very interested in that person. By focusing your question better, you get better focused answers. It's the key to all great relationships, asking questions. Because you never say, oh, I love Jill. She talks 95% of the time. You do say, wow, I really enjoy talking to, to Carol you don't really know why but it's because carol asks a lot of questions and actually listens to your answers so from a business standpoint this is what i learned so i always have like prep calls with so say i'm going to speak at the hershey company i've got a prep call and i'd ask them hey this is my goal i'm going to entertain educate and empower the audience that's my whole goal entertain educate and empower but of those three and you can't say they're all the same which one's the most important i'm going to do all three but which one's the most important invariably the answer would be basically yes. It'd be like asking someone, do you want chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream? They say yes. Then I realized, wait, it's not them. It's me. It's a bad question. It's a poorly phrased question. So to get that question more specific is I say, I'm going to entertain, educate, and empower the audience. So when you think of those three buckets, if I gave you 10 unbreakable coins, how would you allocate those coins across those three buckets? Entertain, educate, and empower. It's been fascinating because some will say I want five and entertain three, two. That then helps me really understand the audience much better because now I've asked a better question to get a focused answer back. So that's been really revolutionary when it comes to our business just to make understand the audience that much more. You can do that on a day-to-day level with your personal relationships. Also with your business relationships is learn how to ask better questions and make sure that you're asking tons of questions. Go in with the mindset of I want that person to speak 70% of the time and I'll speak 30% of the time because one, you're going to learn more and two, that person's going to like you a lot more when you do that.
1: I think that's really important because you're asking questions and getting the word out building those relationships. One of the other things that anyone who reads The Focus Project will get is that it's also about managing your own perceptions and the questions you ask yourself. In in fact, anyone can manage tasks when they're easy and you're working with people when they're cooperative and supportive. The real test comes when people aren't necessarily aligned or even working at cross-purposes with what you're trying to do. You tell a really touching story in the book about how you changed your focus when you were training in the pool for a triathlon and and props for setting... that. Big goal, and y- your young daughters were splashing around and playing in your lane. It's such a great metaphor and a message for small business leaders working
0: from home. Can you share that story with me? It was a sprint triathlon, so much smaller than the Olympic size of the Ironman. Hats off to those folks and my wife. She's incredible. But I'm training for the sprint triathlon, so I have need to swim because that's always daunting for anyone that's ever wanted to do that. It can be quite hairy to start with that many people in the water at once. There's a lot of arms flailing, so you really need for that start to have your heart rate you've got to be ready for that so it takes a lot of time in the pool to practice so you're ready for the day of the event like a lot of us we have a set amount of time we don't have much time to squeeze in that swim so i was watching my daughters were younger but they were good enough swimmers to where i was comfortable they could be in the pool because they're young i think at the time six and eight but they're good enough swimmers they're on the swim team so the pool was small enough it was big enough for me to do laps but also wasn't too wide so i could actually keep an eye on them while swimming but daughters be as they will they wanted to swim in my lane when I was swimming. I'm getting upset because they're getting in the way. Don't you realize this is the only time I have to swim like in my mind because I'm in the water and they're diving under me and they're tapping me on the shoulder to ask questions like how long can a mermaid hold their breath. Like all of us, that frustration starts to boil up because I'm trying to get this swim in. But then I realized what a beautiful thing this is. We have this time together. that They're swimming into my lane and out of my lane. Obviously I'm in this focus project so then the metaphor hit me. That's the way life is. That people are going to swim in and out of your lanes and embrace that understand that you have the power to change lanes just like the old metaphor is you have the remote control to change the channel of your life if you don't like it so the epiphany for me was okay let's embrace this this is a challenge that they're swimming in my way so just like in race day there's going to be feet in my face this is actually ideal and i get to spend more time with my kids it'll be a good memory for them so as a flip of the mindset and that wouldn't have been possible if i wasn't ironically focused on the focus project that allowed me to switch that mindset to understand let's embrace this moment and then also allowed for the metaphor of hey there's gonna be people swimming out of your lanes throughout your life and that's a good thing it's a beautiful thing embrace it you don't know how long they're going to be in that lane with you so cherish that moment but also understand if someone swims in your lane that you don't want to be near or that some event has occurred that you have the power to switch that lane Hopefully, that's helpful for your audience out there. I know it's been so instrumental for me since that moment occurred.
1: I, I love the story, Eric. So, thanks so much for sharing that. Now, I have to ask you, are you ready for the My Quest for the Best Lightning Round? Let's do it. Let's rock and roll. Eric, what's a song that you love as a teenager? Don't Stop Believing by Journey. What is the single most effective way that you get your word out about your mission?
0: Smile. I always thought it was a curse, but I smile. I have people always like, that guy's goofy. He smiles all the time. But I just realized it was a gift I was given. Did I keep smiling? I used to suppress it now it's like smile on do
1: you still use the threat of butterbeer in your household when your daughters are asking for something without considering the consequences
0: we do use the threat so they wanted to get a butterbeer each done at harry potter world I said this is too sweet it's too much for you I said no we want it we want it we want it it." I'm like okay here you go then halfway through the look on their face they're getting sick now I remind them look I've lived a while I know a little bit of things guys you gotta listen to me so every time they want to do something they don't agree with me I say butterbeer remember I know what I'm talking about don't touch that stove it's hot what's your best advice for avoiding a quote bad day? Check in with yourself and you can do this systematically. At the end of each day, you can write down in a spreadsheet or just write it down or it's easy to do on a Google spreadsheet or Excel, whatever you want to do. Was your day a plus one, minus one, plus two, minus two, plus three, minus three? Check in with yourself and it can't be zero because it's never neutral. Check in with yourself throughout the day and go, wow, okay, I'm going to have a plus one day. Is there anything I can do to make it a plus two? Or wow, I've got a negative one day. Can I flip this to get to a plus one? Some days you can't, but at least check in throughout your day be present, check in, where am I headed? Am I coming for a plus one or a minus one day?
1: What's the most important thing you'd want someone to remember you by who you just met in this interview?
0: They made me better. Something he said made me better.
1: Same question about a close friend you've known for 20 years.
0: A close friend I've known for 20 years, just the same thing. Did that person that I've been with for 20 years, did I make them better? Did they make me better?
1: What would you say is the most important habit, routine or belief that you've stopped in the last year that's brought you the most pleasure or personal satisfaction?
0: Stop focusing on the busy. And then also the best way to accomplish something is just to cancel it. That if you have a list of 40 things to do, look at it and go, I'm not going to do that. Whatever that might be. I realize, hey, this isn't going to happen. Let's just remove it from the list. It's one of the best ways to accomplish something is actually by removing it.
1: Beliefs are so important because of the way they regulate the actions we take. What do you believe about yourself these days that you didn't believe about yourself a year ago or even two years ago before the the focus project? What are some of the implications in your day-to-day routines today versus say two years ago?
0: Self-awareness to understand that, wait, when times get tough, I do the opposite of what you should do. I hunker down and become very introverted and just, I gotta get this done. I gotta power through it. I have to do it. When I realized I've got a set time, if I'm not intentional with my time, to make sure that I'm meeting people for coffees, for lunches. This was especially true as the pandemic forced us to all isolate. Now we have the ability of most of us in most towns, Unfortunately, I live in a town that it's possible is that it's getting back, making sure I'm intentional with my time to meet with other people because I realize that one, they're going to be the strength that helps me solve some of these challenges that I'm facing. But most importantly, if you talk to people that live to be 100 years old, the number one thing they have in common is that they've got a very big active social circle. We are social animals by nature. So it's just a reminder to me that I've got to remain in contact with people and meet them face to face or when time and distance and, and safety are an issue, at least connect with them on social or give them a phone call.
1: Eric, with the small business leaders, with the ambitious small business leaders listening in our talk who will buy the Focus Project book and maybe use it as a guide for designing their own impact project, what's a word of advice you can offer for them to avoid any big mistakes that would lead to a less enjoyable or less insightful journey?
0: First of all, don't have to read the whole book. I wrote it modularly because some of the stuff you go, I don't need that. Other stuff you can skip around. So I know how precious your time is and more importantly, how precious your energy is. So time management versus energy management and energy management's renewable. Energy is renewable, time's finite. So that's why it's better to be good at energy management. But understand you don't have to read the whole book. Like It's written so you can skip around to what's going to work best for you. Most importantly, give yourself a break. Life is super hard. It's hardest than it's ever been because of these last two years in the pandemic. But the beautiful thing is the best time ever to live with all the modern conveniences we have. So make sure you take advantage of those. Don't let those tools take advantage of you. Take advantage of those tools. And just always go back to focus on the big versus the busy and most of the time that big is related to relationships and related to the people that are big in your life.
1: Eric, you have shared so many great ideas with us today, starting with coaches who inspired you, but also demanded much more from you so that you became better than you were coming in. You talked about so many different practical techniques about making sure you're just writing one goal, asking better questions, making sure that if you're planning something, you break it down into steps that are manageable so people can actually take it on to remember that when someone's asking you, how long can a mermaid hold her breath? And you're trying to get something done, there are other perspectives that you could take that could make it a win-win situation when you're aware. For all these reasons and more, you've made me better and everyone listening better by spending some time with you today. I want to thank you for joining me on my quest for the best.
0: Thank you, Bill. and Thanks to your audience. It's been amazing.
1: Eric, before we say goodbye for now, tell me, where is it we could find out more about you and your work
0: online? Sounds like a superhero, but it's just my first initial last name, EqualMan.com and EqualMan across the board.
1: Eric, we're going to link to EqualMan.com as well as all your social media and places to buy the book so that people can keep up with what you're doing with The Focus Project as well as digital transformation and digital leadership. So Eric Qualman, once again, author of The Focus Project. Thank you once again for joining me on my quest for the best. Thank you. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on my quest for the best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review My Quest for the Best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com.